0: Child and adolescent mental health disorders. 60% with depression and illnesses. 80% with anxiety. That's I just felt kids. numb to the kids world. Kids being bullied, sometimes to
1: It death. seems the passage of time has only made bullying I've worse. I've seen a
2: lot of bullying This happening. is an issue
0: that touches just
3: about every family. There's just it's a
2: constant pressure, I guess, with everybody.
3: It takes a lot of guts to talk about this.
0: Welcome to Teen Talk, a podcast platform by teens for teens, where we have a chance to be heard.
3: That's right. Real teens talking about real life. Meeting teenagers where we are and engaging in real conversations with each other and for each other.
4: Our moderator is
0: Jason Hopkins, president and CEO of National Alliance on Mental Illness, Arapahoe and Douglas Counties. He's also the president and founder of The Connection Project.
5: We will explore the topics that matter most to teens today. It is a podcast for teens, by teens, proudly sponsored by Mountain High Appliance. Our goal is to meet you where you are and reinforce that you are not alone. We will discuss relevant topics, share personal stories, and inspire hope. So today I'm here with some local Cherry Creek High School students, and we're going to talk about a video that they recently did that was related to mental health and mental health awareness. Guys, thank you all for being here today. Thank you for having us.
2: Thank you so much.
5: So glad that you're here. So before we um, get started, let's talk about this video that you guys did for um, the, the people that are listening that may not have seen it. Tell us what it was about.
0: It was about different, like, because we're all from different schools in the district. It right. was about coming together. And usually when we're together, it's about competing. But it, we wanted to, like, people, We, I guess we, we wanted to create a project that was inclusive for everybody where it was just like, okay, we're here to help change a topic that people are, I guess, like scared to talk about.
5: That's fantastic.
2: So in doing this, we took inspiration from another video and we talked about the warning signs that one may experience when experiencing suicide and really pressed on the idea of not being afraid to point blank ask about suicide, which I think was a point that hit home for most people. It was very effective for not only, I would say, the kids in our district, but also for the parents to get that point-blank um, perspective on what to do if your kid or a friend of your kid is experiencing mental health struggles and or suicidal thoughts.
5: I can imagine that was super valuable. So um, tell me how you guys got involved in, in the project.
3: Um, well, I was already a former student of Sources of Strength. Okay. And I was recommended by a teacher or a counselor in my school right. to be as like one of the s- spokespersons in the video. So
5: That's great. How about you guys?
4: Yeah, um, <clears throat> for, to my understanding, um, the district asked um, different activity directors, head therapists, things like that, um, to ask maybe two students that they think would be pretty good from each school in the district to perform in this video. Um, and we were lucky enough to be some of those people.
5: So you guys were rock stars, huh?
4: Uh, if you will. Yes.
5: <laughs> I love it. I yeah. love it. So you mentioned Sources of Strength a minute ago. Can one of you tell me about Sources of Strength for those who are listening that may not know what that is? Sources of Strength is a group
1: that is dedicated to helping people who are having mental, family, any basically any issues. They're a place that you can go to get help with any problems you're having. It's a, supposed to be a club in each school that we have. It's in each – it's in the whole district now, and it's supposed to be a support system just for anybody who needs it. Yeah. Right. That sounds
5: fantastic.
3: Yeah, it's more so like a community, you know, like a place where you can kind of talk about things but also find aspects in your life that can help you whenever you're going through depression, whenever you're going through a bad day. You have – a lot of resources such as teachers, counselors that you know you can talk to but also you have a lot of newfound skills like coping skills things that you can be thankful for every day people you can talk to it's just uh, all around communities. Wow,
5: I imagine that's really helpful. Yeah. So, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead.
3: Um the
2: important thing too is that we focus on the areas of strength and not the areas of trauma. The whole point is that it's not a program that is meant to be depressing and discouraging um, and stigmatizing. We're um, just trying to get every member in the club to identify a few of their strengths and learn how to use them in their everyday lives.
4: Yeah.
5: Well, that's great.
4: And then going off of that, it's more of sources, at least in Creek, and I think kind of its original intention. Most suicide prevention efforts happen after a suicide happens, um, the main goal of sources is to catch this before someone gets to a place of, um, lonesomeness of depression right. to a point where they would take their own life. So it's more of like, it's preventative. It really is. It encourages kids to self-examine themselves, to look at their whole life, um, through something that we have called the sources wheel, which has different, um, pieces on there, such as generosity, spirituality, different things that everyone can harness themselves and check, you know, is your wheel good? Is your wheel Okay. You know, what places are you struggling with and what places are you succeeding in? And it's kind of that whole idea that we're trying to keep kids from getting to that dark
5: place. So it's a whole health model that connects with you kind of from a, wherever you are. Yeah. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah. So let's positions. get back to the video because, again, I can't say enough good things about the video that you guys did. What was the objective of that video? Was it building on this work that you all have learned from sources of strength? Um, obviously, it was to help educate people from a, from a different perspective, Help me understand more about the video.
0: I guess, well, around that time of year, we've had a lot of uh, tragedies and even over the summer. Um, and it was just to reach out to, especially to parents, that sometimes they, like, will say, oh, you don't understand. And they're like, oh, of course we understand. But they really don't know what's going through our mind because right. it's definitely different from when they grew up and then when we're growing up right now. Right. Because there's, um, like, you know, there's other ways that people – can harass other people like through social media because you have a face to hide behind. Sure. So it was just to reach out to parents and be like, you know, it's a sensitive topic, but you need to deal with this so your kid feels okay.
5: Right. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you bring up the parent perspective because a lot of the work that we've done here at Teen Talk is really about educating parents from your perspective. So I think, you know, this builds upon the work that you guys are already doing. So let's talk about mental health for a minute. I mean, obviously, there have been some tragic incidents that happened at your school. Um, the video that you guys made was was because of that. Um, what what was the objective of the video? I, I know it was to educate, it was to help parents. What do you think, in extension to that, did, did you cover everything in the video? Are there things that should still be covered? What do we want to talk about from here?
4: Yeah. Um, well, I think the video specifically was a PSA, right. you know, to parents. I think we really honed in on the kind of, we were in a place where everything kind of felt like it was collapsing. Um, a lot of suicides happened in a short period of time. And I think we, the district, and we really wanted to get something out specifically to the parents. that was like, this is what you need to look for. Protect your children. Right. Um, we didn't pull any punches and I'm really thankful for that. We really, you know, hit them where it hurts. And um, as far as, I feel like we want to do a lot. I feel like we want to really do a lot more. Um, A big thing for me personally is um, parents is off the PSA is, you know, parents fears that um, parents are terrified, you know, like um, I agree there truly is. And it's by no fault of their own. Do they do some things that are just, you know, my parents definitely try to shut down conversations about suicide quickly because they're just too afraid to even talk about it. Um, And I think that's huge.
5: Well, I think to reframe that a little bit, I mean, I do think parents are navigating from a fear culture today. Yeah. And I think that fear is derived from living in a world that is very different than how their kids are being raised. You know, I grew up in a world that I didn't have technology the way that you guys did. So I'm having to adapt to the world that you all are living in. And you all never grew up without it. So there is a disconnect somewhere along the way, and I think most parents don't know how to meet their kids where they are in terms of what they know about technology. Um, and, and I do think that that creates this, this culture of fear. So I agree with you about that, definitely. Um,
2: so there are kind of two things that I don't uh, that I think that parents have a little bit of harder time grasping. The first thing, going back a little more to the social media point, is cancel culture. Um, for those who don't know what that is, is, like, the minute somebody disagrees with somebody, it basically turns into an all-out war, and this person is quote-unquote canceled, or or, like, put on a lower rung, I guess? Correct me if that sounds weird. But, um, yeah, it's like, we are so invested in, like, the drama between beauty YouTubers that, like, the second anything happens, we're we're, we want to get our opinions heard, but at the same time, we're afraid to, like, offend anybody, which I think is a really weird thing to tackle. And a big thing with me and my parents is, like, sexual orientation and gender identity. Like, I I do my best to educate my parents on this, and they do their best to try, but they they don't. <laughs> understand sometimes they like try their hardest but they often are like so she's a he now and stuff like that and it's it's through no fault of their own like this was right. if it if it was it's a, a new th- language yeah. yeah yeah if it was a thing like it was barely a thing um and of course kids screw up too i screw up all the time and i feel like crap every time i do but um it's just we're starting to be a little more open-minded in ways that were unexpected to adults, I feel like. And um, that's a bit of a tricky road to follow.
5: Agreed.
3: And I think um, for me and, like, my relationship with my father is what he doesn't realize is even though I'm young, I experience a lot of things, right. you know, like age shouldn't, be only a number but like in how the internet sees it how social media sees it they think it's just a number and I deal with a lot of stuff going into that school a lot of things that aren't just about getting good grades like I can't even remember the last conversation that I've had with my dad where he's just asked me like how are you you know it's always how are your grades? How's everything going? When I think a lot of parents need to realize when you step foot into that school, it's not just about your grades, it's not just about um, classroom participation. It's you deal with a lot of things.
4: Right. And going off of that, Kefton, you know, it just like a message to the parents, like they don't need to be good at this. Like we, we don't expect, I don't expect my parents, I don't think any of us expect our parents to be experts in this because they're not, because this is as new to them as it is to us. But I mean, the one thing that if I could say to all these parents is try, you know, that it doesn't matter how good you need to be. I, I mean, I, I always say this, that as younger generations, if we're going through a struggle, if we're going through a problem, we look up to our older generations, you know, because they've gone through life. You know, this, as long as some as well, as some other things, you know, social media school shootings, they, it just didn't happen right. when they were growing up. And so it's really hard, especially for parents that are so um, quick to just want to have all the answers, not have the answers. And it is OK to not have the answers. I feel like this I is think that's
5: really important. Say that again.
4: Yeah. I mean, it is okay for the parents to not have the answers.
5: I hope parents are breathing a sigh of relief because I think that's the truth. Yeah.
4: We don't don't need you too. All we need you to do is try, is sit down with us, ask us how we are, say, you know what? I'm crappy at this. I don't know how to ask how you're feeling, so you tell me. Stuff like that is what we need. Stuff like that is what will make a difference is if there's a willingness to participate.
5: So if your parents all came to you and had a conversation like that, would you be willing to have that conversation with them? Yes.
4: All day. I don't think there's a teen on this earth that wouldn't with enough pressure. I'm sure there is one or two. Yeah. Well, you know what? <laughs> Maybe not in this room. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough.
0: And just like going back to the whole grades thing, it's just uh, I had to beg my mom to help to get me support for my mental health. And I think at that point when she realized like, oh, like this is serious. She like, like she actually does like need someone and I can't help her. It's that opened her mind to being more understanding with me. And of course, she's never going to understand, not never going to understand, but like some things she's just not going to understand what I'm going through. Sure. But she's going to be there to not just not to talk about it with me, but to cheer me up and like get my mind off of it. Because before that, it was just like. Why aren't your grades like this? Oh, like, it's just like, why don't you go do this? Why aren't you hanging out with your siblings? It's just like, sometimes it's just my mind. It blocks me from doing those things because I know that I'm struggling in one class right now and that kind of tumbled on all my other classes where I'm struggling with all of them now. So I think it's just like, I, the, like, it's just a mental block that.
5: Well, so let me put some different words to it. I mean, you need your parents to see you. hmm you know, and not only to see you, but to be willing to have conversations with you and maybe be honest about the fact that, hey, I don't know how to have this conversation with you, but I'd like to talk to you about it. Meet us so where we are. Yeah, I think that's perfect. Meet us where we are, um, you know, which is wholeheartedly the work that we do. So you brought up sexual orientation a minute ago. I mean, that is a conversation that gets in the weeds pretty quickly. Like, let's do – I don't want to get real deep dive into it, but let's talk about what's the 101 that parents should know about how to understand this world because it is different. There are more labels today. I will say that.
0: Like, don't freak out. Okay. It's not going to be the end of the world. And it's more the end of the world for your kid. If you're like, Oh, you can't do that. That's wrong. I like just speaking for me. If I was ever to become a parent, I'd like, and something was new to me. I'd be like, okay, we need to like, it's not that I'm going to shut them down. It's, we just need to discuss this okay. like open, like inform me. Cause it's not It's not just, oh, you're gay. Like, that's not okay. It's just that might – it's just, like, I think parents should just be more open because even though it might be a new topic to them, it's just you should never shut down your kid about sure. something that they're conflicted with.
5: Sure.
1: There's also a lot of experimentation going on. Sometimes there's people who say, I'm gay, but they aren't actually. They – think they are they're like i think i like this person but then they're like well i don't actually like him sexually so that's the end of that a lot of times it's just the kid trying to learn who they are right I because yeah a lot a lot a lot of the a lot of the people are trying to figure out who they are in society how they fit with themselves how they will interact with the world for time to come
0: I just also believe that, like, sexuality is fluid and it's okay. Like, parents should also just know that sexuality is fluid and um, it's okay if your kid thinks one thing, like, a year ago or two years ago. And then they're like, oh, wait, I don't think this anymore.
5: Right.
3: Um, I think just understanding that your kid's still trying to understand themselves, you know trying to grow, and not just saying, like, oh, well, you, you're you young, you don't know. Like, listen to your kids, you know? I think that's one of the biggest issues for not only sexuality but a lot of things, and that's why a lot of kids don't feel like they can open up about their sexuality because they already feel like their parents will assume something. They feel like their parents won't listen or... They feel like their parents will think that you're being naive. It's just having that open space for, for everything, especially very important topics like, like sexuality.
2: Um, I agree with what everybody has been saying. It is a time where we're finding out who we are, but my advice to the parents listening is to take it seriously because nine times out of ten, they have been working up the courage to talk to you about this for like ten years, and if you're saying, like, okay, I accept you, but in your mind you're thinking, like, it'll change in two years anyway. It's not going to um, come across as authentic, one. And two, that's not true acceptance. I think that in a lot of things, in mental health, um, gender identity, sexual orientation, all of those things, you need to take it seriously And that is the number one thing that your kids will value is if you talk it through with them, not from a point of, like, um, conflict or with a point of skepticism, just like, let's figure this out. Um, I am here for you every step of the way.
5: So, again, to drive this point home, regardless of what the topic is, you really want your parents to talk to you. Yes. Even if it's hard, even if it's scary. Do you
3: guys want your do you look at your parents as a friend? Do you want to
0: look at your parents as a friend? Mm-mm. How I think of it, I think it should be fifty fifty because I don't talk to my like if my parents were a hundred percent just my parents, I would not talk to them at least my mom about a lot of the things that I do talk to her about. It's just like fun banter with her. But I like it I told her that like you should be fifty percent my parent, fifty percent my friend because like, I know that when I talk to my friends, it's very—it's a more open conversation. Sure. But when I talk to my mom, if she's like, how's your day? I'm like, it's good. And then I go up to my room. So I feel like in some ways, yes, your parents should be able to have that open conversation with you because, again, for me, I'm just more open with my friends.
1: I think that your parents need to be open with you, but I very much disagree with the having your parents as friends. I think that... If you have your parents as friends, then they are also losing the ability to be like your parent, be the person who's supposed to be in charge and who's supposed to know things because peer-to-peer is very different than superior-to-peer. If Ooh. if I talked
5: to my parents the way I talked to my friends, I'm pretty sure I'd be murdered. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. I mean, Yeah, I agree. But So you brought up something interesting a minute ago that that when you said that you want your – mom to be 50-50, your parents to be 50-50, and they ask you how your day is, and you say fine, and you go up to your room. If I'm a parent, and my kid says that to me, and you're telling me that you want your parents to talk to you, how do they go back in after oh, you've said, fine, I, and walk away? I
0: probably should have clarified. If my parents were just 100% parent, okay. when that was the situation, I'd just been like, fine, and go back into my room and didn't come back downstairs.
5: Okay. Because I think that the the thing I don't want to overlook is our parents are humans, too. Yeah. you know, And obviously, they, they want to do right by you as parents and want you to be proud of them as parents, I would mm-hmm. assume, um, and want to ensure that they're trying to meet your needs, but I think a lot of times as teens, you may be in a place where you're not ready to talk or not have an open conversation. How does that parent maintain that courage to come back after you've shut them down?
3: Yeah, I mean, for a lot of parents, like for my dad, I've only really seen him in the disciplinarian position or like you have to do this or you have to do this or you didn't do this. You know, and so not like no parent to kid dynamic is like ideal i think i think it just depends on like what what family you're in or what situation but i think there has to be that balance not necessarily your friend but like a confidant you know right. someone that you know you feel like you can trust because that that is your parents it's just crazy how i mean as kids We're at school for a very long time, like, longer than, you know, like, we're at school for a long time, but then when we get home, we don't even talk to our parents or our siblings. So, the people who we trust is our friends more so than our parents, but the people who we should feel like we should trust the most is our parents. So... When you do talk to your kid or you do have that dynamic with your kid, keeping in mind, like, how that kid sees you means a lot. Because having a kid who's open and trustworthy with you is actually a privilege. There's not a lot of parents who can say that. And that's why a lot of the time you think, oh, I know exactly what my kid is going through. You think that you can assume, but a lot of the time that's not the case. So. Yeah.
4: Yeah. And I mean, going off of that, Kefney, I think you made a really good point. And um, <clears throat> it's it's not a one way street, right? Like we're saying, this is what the parents need to do. This is what the parents need to do. Um,
5: well, I'm about to circle back to what do you think you all should do to have better relationships well, there you with your go. parents? <laughs> yeah, get you to it. Bring it home for me.
4: Yeah. Um, I believe that as it is on us as much it is as it is on them. I mean, you know, we have to put our foot forward first, you know, it, it, if anything's going to get done like I said, I think it's definitely a two-way street. I don't think it's one or the other. I think it's both. Um, I think parents and kids n- really need to work together on this. I think that's the only way anything's really going to get get done.
5: I agree. What do you all think?
2: Um, I really agree with that. Um, I am one of those kids who tells my parents borderline everything <laughs> to the point where, like, my mom is like, there is too much stuff in my brain. You need to stop, stop talking cheering. to me. Um <laughs> so it's it's completely a different dynamic, and I understand that I'm lucky, and even with some other members of my family like um it's harder for them to open up, and my parents are like my biggest advocates, but also they're ones who tell me when I need to get my sheet done um like <laughs> when <laughs> um like it just has to be this constructive manner and you have to be willing to um, take into account what they're going through because as much as we think like, oh, the parents are just not paying attention to me, we're kind of in ourselves too and like if my parents are going through a hard time, I have to acknowledge that and I have Mm -hmm. to do the best I can to make it easier on them because kids aren't the only ones having mental health struggles.
5: Right. It's well it goes back too, to it's a two way street. Right.
2: Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's just um <clears throat> I I think if any kids are listening to this, I think having a conversation with your parents after this wouldn't be a bad idea. Just <laughs> leaving it all in the open and like I know that's scary. Like that's really scary, but
5: Dip I put your toe in the water.
2: Yeah.
0: Like it doesn't
5: have to be a heavy conversation. Yeah. I think the thing that I that I would love to impart as kind of a takeaway is people can only meet you from their own place of experience. So a lot of the things that you guys know and the things that you're struggling with are not things that your parents actually understand or ever struggled with. So in some cases, you actually may be the expert in the conversation, and they don't know how to talk to you about it. So for you to be able to show up and open the door and say, hey, I'd like to have a conversation about this or share with you what I know, I think it's really important, like like you mentioned a second ago, you know, parents can have bad days too, and they may not have all the answers either. So I think it's okay as teens for you guys to show up and say, hey, I'd really like to talk to you about this and get your perspective and share mine with you. Does that seem realistic? Yes. Mm-hmm. and Definitely.
3: I mean, like, also, if you do have a child that's wanting to open up to you, I think that showing your kid that they're important, that you're going to give them attention. Sure. I mean, everybody's busy. There's so many parents who have problems with their job or they're dealing with a client or whatever it is on that day. They may have problems with you. <laughs> Yeah, but also, like, showing your kid that what you are saying is important to me. Like, right. I'm here. Like, yes, I'm dealing with build problems or whatever, but our time is our time. If you need to talk to me about something, I'm here for you. I'm attentive and just— Good work. I mean, there's—I'm pretty sure there's a lot of kids who think that their parents wouldn't care. Right. So that's just why I'm mentioning that.
5: No, I think that's great. They shouldn't assume. Yeah, for for me,
1: my parents have always been people that I look up to and I know I can talk to, and I know that if I ever needed to talk to them, they would put everything aside and talk to me because I'm important. And I think one thing for parents and teens to remember is that sometimes your phone is a barrier, if you have your phone even if you have it set on the table you the person who you're talking to is more likely to feel like they don't matter. There's been studies done where they put the table put their phone on the table and then they assessed how the people felt even just seeing the phone. Just turning everything else off, turning the TV off, turn, turning your phone off, turning just the outside world off for that tiny time where you're talking to your child. You could take them out to dinner. You could do something one-on-one, or even it could be a family talk where you're all discussing what's happening in your life. Even day-to-day talks where you're being open. You say, "They say I had a bad day,"
5: and you say, "Tell me about it." So I'm gonna put different language to that be present. Yeah. yeah, that's what's important: is to be present. It leads to open communication if you
1: don't have to just jump into the water. You can wait in you can step in a stare at a time agreed
0: i think it's also because like again personally it just took me a while to build that connection with my like this, like with my parents um like asking for help ask like not just from them but from other people for them like so that they can like i guess supply me with but like it just like took a lot of like persistence to get them to realize like oh like you know this is a serious topic, but then also it just opened a whole lot of doors right. for conversation.
5: Right. Did you have a question?
4: Yeah. Um, if I could, just kind of shifting this conversation, guys, um, I feel like um, the audience for this podcast is mainly adults, yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the reason we were formed specifically was to um, kind of launch a counterattack on suicide. So I kind of have a question for all of us to kind of maybe discuss a bit, just a topic, is, you know, suicide in and of itself. How do you guys think that we as a youth perceive it maybe differently than the older generations, and how do you think that it's changed from the older generations?
0: I definitely think that, I know from talking with, like, my friend's parents or just, like, hearing it on the news is that some adults think that it's just for attention. And it's not for attention, it's just because, like people feel so helpless that they don't think that they can, like no one will be able to help them.
3: Right.
4: And you know, I think sometimes it is for attention and I think that that's seen as a negative Mm -hmm. and I don't think it needs to be.
3: Yeah. Like for a lot of teens, it's a way out. Um, And that's why like, there's so many signs that lead up to it, like self harm and a lot of those things. It could be for attention and a lot of I mean they look at it and they're like oh my gosh that's crazy that would never be my kid right. or but people deal with depression they deal with mental illness all the time so suicide for a lot of people not only young people for a lot of people it's their way out for a lot of times their life is they've been struggling with so much to the point where they just it's not that they don't want to feel anymore but it's they don't want to feel they sad anymore. Yeah, they want the pain to stop. And so, I mean, I personally feel like it's it's a permanent solution for a temporary problem. Right. Amen. But for a lot of other people, they feel like this is my only way. Right. Yeah, Um. I think to reword a little bit
2: what some other people have said, I don't necessarily think it's for attention. I think it's a cry for help. Because yeah. I've seen a couple of people like that I've had to take action with, um, that have posted on social media that I'm like done with this world, I don't want to be here anymore, that sort of thing. And that's like their last ditch effort, you know? In like, that
5: moment they feel that way.
2: Yeah. And they're like, Will anybody care? Will anybody right. respond? And it's um it's not just because they want people to be like, "Oh, there's this kid. They almost attempted suicide, so let's be their friend." It's they want people to just care for them, and at this point in their lives, they don't feel like they have that.
5: They want somebody to see them.
2: Yes, exactly. I
1: think something that's in I think something that's important to note is that each person's experience is different what's worse? What's the worst thing that's happened to a kid may not be the worst thing that's happened to an adult. To a kid, to a straight-A student, a C could be the worst thing in the world, and they might not know how to cope with that. That could be the breaking point for a kid, and it doesn't seem like it would be a huge thing, but people can only come from what they've experienced. So if that's the worst thing they've experienced and they decide that that's the worst
5: thing, Don't overlook small things to you because it might be a huge thing to them. To somebody else. Guys, this was a fantastic conversation. We covered a lot of ground here today. Um, We need to wrap it up here. But I, I thank you all for being here. I applaud you for the work that you're doing. Um, in trying to spread the word and the message. I hope that we can have you back for future conversation. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you for having, having us. Yeah. Yeah. Really <laughs> appreciate you. it. Thank you. Thank you. you. Yeah. If you or someone you know is struggling or in crisis, please contact Colorado Crisis Services. They can be reached by text at 38255 or by phone at 844-493-8255. For a complete list of resources, visit 1043thefan.com, cozy101.com, or kygo.com and click on Mental Health awareness located under the strengthening families page the Teen talk podcast is presented by the public affairs and news department of bonneville denver please don't text and drive